to the Nobody Like Jesus podcast. Bringing hope and healing for inmates and the free world. Inspired preaching, teaching, interviews and music, sharing the good news. There's nobody like Jesus. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're here with the Nobody Like Jesus podcast. This is your host, Brother McMorris, and we're excited to have you today. We're excited to be reaching you. I'm joined today with our founder, Brother Brian Dickinson. Praise the Lord, Brother Dickinson. Praise the Lord, man. It's good to be here with you, Brother McMorris. Amen. We're so excited, you guys, to be reaching to you again. We're thankful to be able to be making this connection. And we're going to be picking up on the coming out of Mama's house Bible study. What part are we on, Brother Dickinson? I think it's part eight, that's, man. That's, part eight. That's what I had thought. We're in part eight. And we're excited. This Bible study's really been a blessing. We've been diving deeper. And we're thankful for each and every one of you that are tuning in. We want you to know that this podcast is here for you. And we're here to make a connection with you guys. Our address is going to be announced on the end. Feel free to write in to us. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what's going on. Let us know your prayer requests. We want to be praying with you. I've got a request. I want to ask everybody listening. My family and I and close brother of mine are going to be heading out to Terre Haute, Indiana next week. And we've had the open door in an Amish community to go and preach a revival there. And we're excited about what the Lord's going to do. And my faith is big, Brother Dickinson. And Amen, amen. I'm expecting to baptize hundreds of people and see hundreds of people filled with the Holy Ghost. Hmm. In Jesus' name. So you all be praying for us. We covet your prayers for God's traveling mercies on us. Well, Brother Dickinson, why don't you lead us into prayer and take us out into this thing? Yes, sir. God, we come to you right now in the only name that's above all names, that sin-slaying and killing name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your anointing today upon this study. Not just the anointing on the study, God, but the anointing on me as I speak forward, and Brother McMorris as he speaks forth of your word, God, as you've called us to minister your word, and the anointing on the hearers today, God. We love you, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy, and that saving power of your sweet Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so so we're into coming out of Mama's house, and we're still dealing with the issue of baptism. Man, and catch us up. Catch us Alrighty. up, Brother Dickinson. So, anybody's just now tuning in, popping into us, I like to just kind of throw this out there for for the sake that go back to part <laughs> one of coming out of Mama's house because this is going to be a long, endeavored study. We we talk about coming out of some elementary teachings and going into the more full understanding of the Word of God, and we've been covering salvation. We've covered a lot of things on salvation, and right now we're studying on water baptism. And this study is going to be multiple parts. We're covering different issues. Is it essential for salvation? Is it not essential for salvation? Should you be fully immersed? Should you be sprinkled? Uh, does it matter? Does it matter if it's in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost? Does it matter if it's in the name of Jesus? Well, you know, so all of these subjects we're going to try our best to discuss as we go forth uh but what happens once we get out of baptism we've got we're going to go into the holy spirit we're going to talk about the the first time it was given um and the the new testament church was born we're going to go into a lot of things we're going to discuss the godhead we're going to we're going to look at opposition there we're going to discuss it in scripture we're going to talk about spiritual gifts there's going to be a lot of stuff brother mcmorris with this study and so it's a it's a long study but i i sure encourage everybody to go back to part one and pick up there so nothing's left Uh, you get a full understanding We, we talk about 
uh, those that are in the, the faith of Judaism. We talk about those that are in the faith of Islam. We quote from the Quran on some of this stuff. We quote from uh, the, the Torah on some of this stuff. And why that's done, Brother McMorris, is because we have some of our listeners that are either in another religion uh, or either they are just looking around and trying to find their way to where they Yes, sir. We're in John 3, chapter 1 through 8. Word of the Lord says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus. Sorry, hold up right there. Go ahead. We're going to continue to read, but I'm going to interrupt you occasionally because I want to throw emphasis on this as we're reading. Absolutely. So what we have here is we have a very important religious man of the Jews, a man of the Pharisees. Uh, history tells us that Nicodemus was of the Sanhedrin Council. And for the you that don't know about the Sanhedrin Council, it's a committee that the, the, the Jews, they had different, you know, sects, kind of like we've got Baptists and Pentecost and Methodists and Catholic inside Christianity. The Jews had different sects. And two of the main sects were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, all of the Jews together built a council. I don't have time to elaborate on that when it came about, but this council was called the Sanhedrin Council, and it pretty much set the rules of things, the gray areas that the Torah or the Talmud didn't discuss, and they made this. So this guy, Nicodemus, was on that. He was on that panel. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was on this council. And he came by Jesus at night, and the thing he did was people were saying that Jesus was the, the Messiah. He was the promised Savior of the world, and there was a lot of questions. Well, he had been performing certain miracles that was only deemed that the Messiah would be able to do. Now, casting out demons had been done before. The healing of, of, of different things had been done before. But there was certain stuff that had never been done in Jewish history. And Jesus was performing that. And I don't, again, I don't have time to elaborate on that. I cover those things in my book, Why God Chose Water Baptism for the New Covenant. But when the, the Jews and the Jewish leaders saw these astronomical, that you have Messianic miracles, and then you have general miracles. So it wasn't nothing new for uh, the Pharisees to see demons cast out of somebody. But when Jesus casted out demons from a guy that he couldn't hold dialogue from, a deaf and dumb boy, they knew that through their work, they had to hold dialogue. And you see Jesus doing a general miracle when he went to the guy that was in the caves, and he says, what's your name? And he said, our name is Legion, for we are many. Well, he held dialogue with that demon, and so he cast that demon of Legion out by holding dialogue. But when he went to the boy that was deaf and dumb, there was not even holding any dialogue with the demon, so they had never seen this, and that was a Messianic miracle. So you had general miracles and Messianic miracles. Now, they're seeing the miracles that was deemed that only the Messiah could do, and so Nicodemus says, hey, man, there's something going on with this Jesus fella. And he goes to Jesus by night. He doesn't want to be seen by the rest of the, the council, and he wants to inquire. And he says, man, we know. Listen what he says here, Brother McMorris, in verse 2. He don't just say miracles that you do. It said unto him, Rabbi or teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, because no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So he designated, he said, look, look, Rabbi, look, teacher, we know that you're sent from God. Everybody here, man, knows that you're somebody from God because these miracles that you're doing are astronomical. That's right. These are the Messianic miracles. So there was something beyond just normal miracles being done. And so I wanted to put emphasis on this. This is very important to see what's being conveyed here in John 3. Continue, please, brother. Jesus answered, starting in verse number 3, and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? All right, stop right there. So when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he, he says, Hey, man, we know you're, we know you're a man from God because nobody could do these miracles except they would be. Jesus didn't go into elaborating on anything other than the salvation issue at hand. He That's went right. directly and told Nicodemus, he said, I tell you, accept a man be born again. Now, here's a very, very important theological factor that most Christians miss. Even in mainstream Christianity, the, 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 the Jewish roots here is dropped. And when we lose the Jewish roots of this particular text, we lose the more understanding of what Jesus was conveying. In Judaism, and I may have talked about this a little bit, I think I did in seven. In Judaism, if you wanted to become a Jew and you wasn't born a Jew, if you wasn't born an Israelite and you decided that you wanted to convert to Judaism, you had a ceremonial process that you had to go through. And this ceremonial process was you, you had to be able to uh, quote so much of the scriptures, you had to denounce your past life, so forth and so on. And I, and I discussed this also in my water baptism book. So what happens is there was a mikvah, and this mikvah was a water bathing. It was a, and we've talked about this early on in uh, in in this Bible study story uh, in this Bible study. But when you entered the mikvah, you entered a flight of stairs, even still to this day, or you come in the room where the mikvah is through one door. And when you go in and you get fully immersed, when you come up out of that water as a Jewish proselyte, when you're leaving your Gentile past, you're born anew or born again in Judaism. So when Jesus asked Nicodemus or tells Nicodemus, no man can see the kingdom of God except he be born again, Nicodemus is saying, I'm freeborn a Jew. I don't have to go through the Mik baptismal ceremony. Right? I don't have to go through the mikvah to be born again. See, that terminology, born again or born anew, to the Jews meant you was a heathen, you was a Gentile, yeah. and you went through a mikvah proselyte. Well, here's what happened. When you come up out of that water, you exited out another flight of stairs. There was a set of stairs going into the mikvah and another set of stairs going out of the mikvah. There was one door to enter the room, another one to leave because they were so strict with that that your new life meant everything that you walked in with was left behind in the mikvah. That's right. So when, 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 when Nicodemus looks at him, Brother McMorris, and he says, what do you mean to be born again? How, how can I be born when I am old, how can this happen? Because see, I'm already born a Jew. So he was confused. He wasn't confused like most Christians teach today. Most Christianity, uh, and I don't say this as derogatory, but they're, they're ignorant in, in the knowing what was being discussed in this text. Right. And this was a Jewish conversation. And in, 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 in here in 2023, uh, in America, we don't comprehend what was being said. But... Nicodemus knew very well what was being said. Jesus told him, "Hey, dude, you're fixing to have to go down and be born again." And Nicodemus was like, "I'm a Jew. I was. I'm a seed of Abraham. I don't. I don't have to have this." That's right. So continue to read. Let's see what he says. Jesus answered, "Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh." And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The All right, hold it right there. I, I, I said to go to verse 8, but we'll stop at 7. Yeah. Because I got more scripture. So here again, Jesus responds to Nicodemus when he asked him, how can I be born again? Or how can I be born when I'm old? I'm free-born Jew. I don't need this meat, but listen to what Jesus said. I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So he tells Nicodemus, he says, even though you're born of the flesh, Abraham's seed, you still have to have a spiritual baptism. This new covenant is requiring you to be born of the water and of the Spirit. 
this right. water here a lot of people try to teach it away a lot of people try to try to push away and say oh this is the embryonic fluid in your mother's womb or the, and that the washing of the water of the word well that's completely erroneous right. if you would take a jewish scholar and have them sit down unbiasedly and explain to you this conversation and say this was two jewish people discussing this conversation even if it's real or not, tell us what was being conveyed here. That Jewish scholar would tell you that this one Jewish man is trying to convince the other Jewish man that he had to have a water baptism in the mikvah in order to be born again. Right. And that was very plain. So in this particular passage, we see Jesus expounded fully on water baptism being essential. And what he went on to say, he told Nicodemus in verse 7, he said, Marvel not, or be not surprised, that I've told you, Nicodemus, I've said unto thee, ye must be born again. So here's the deal. It doesn't matter if you was a freeborn Jew or if you was a Gentile. Jesus said that water is essential to see the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Amen? That's right. Uh, right after this, and we're going to come back to this later on, we get to talk about the Holy Spirit because we want to talk about being born of the Spirit. But right now we're just dealing with water baptism. If you follow this text out, Jesus is still talking to Nicodemus. He don't just stop at eight. He continues to talk. The conversation is going on. They move on in. And at the end of the conversation, we see we, the most popular scripture by all the world that says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life and we think that belief and we think that means we can just believe well here's the deal read, read it in its entirety context it started with Jesus saying you've got to be born of the water that's right well here's the deal if you don't believe you're never going to make it to the water brother McMorris that's right but but what I like to point out real fast before we move to our next scripture, in verse 22, verse 21, Jesus ended his discussion to Nicodemus. He finished up this whole conversation, 1 through 21. But listen what he says in verse 22. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Enon near Shalem, because there was much water there, and they came, and they came and were baptized. So what we have here, as soon as Jesus got through preaching the sermon to Nicodemus about being born of the water and being born of the Spirit, I mean, immediately he left and he came to a water hole and him and his disciples started baptizing people. That's what That's they right. were doing. John That's what was there says. baptizing people. That's exactly right. And it was much water, meaning that they had a full immersion. Right. Amen? Correct. All right. So we uh, we talked about, I think we talked about Mark 16 and 16. You read that for us real quick, Brother McMorris. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So he said that you had to believe and be baptized to be saved. Right. We talked about 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. It talked about how Noah and his household was saved by water. And so does like figure, does water now save us? Not the washing of the not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. What happens here is Peter's saying it's not because you get in the water and clean the outside of your flesh does that baptism save you. Right. No. It's the answer of a good conscience because God required water baptism to be part of the plan in obedience. If I'm obeying God, what he tells me to do, then I receive the grace of God. I've got to obey him. It, it, it ain't going to just be, he just give it to me and I can do whatever I want to do. No, that, we talked about it. this. That. we got to obey him. And so this answer of a good conscience is consciously I have obeyed God by baptism and the blood by my obedience is applied to me in water baptism. That. Let's look at Acts 2. Go ahead, brother. Real quick before we jump there, that's uh -huh. real important. That's real important because 
right there in 21 where it says the like figure. That word in the Greek is an antitype. The reason he talked about Noah and then said that the antitype where baptism does also now save us. Because if Noah would have just looked at the grace, when God gave Noah the plans, that was the grace that Noah found in the eyes of God. If he would have just looked at the plans that God gave him for the ark, if he would have looked at the blueprints and said, there it is, God's got grace. I believe he wants to save me. I believe he doesn't want me to perish. I believe that he knows how to get me out of trouble. But if he wouldn't have done anything, he'd have drowned with the rest of them. Noah had to take the grace that God had given him and do something with it. He had to put every board on top of every board that God commanded and exactly the way God commanded. And if he would have missed one space of pitch, then little leaks would have caused big problems in the ark. Mm, powerful, powerful. Mm. We in Acts? So you saying, Brother McMorris, that if we don't obey the blueprint, or the symbol that God has given us for salvation, we're going to have some leaks. There some it is. Some little leaks the, is going to cause us some big problems. There it is. It's by grace through faith. Mm. But if you say, I believe I can fly, and you never jump out of a tree, you don't really believe you can fly. But if you say, <laughs> but Jesus said that he that believeth on him, if you believe what I'm saying, you'll do it. But that's why he said, he that believeth and is baptized, because you'll put the action with the faith, because the faith without the works is dead. And so if you try to say, well, I see God gave me the plan, and I believe that in God's plan, he desired for me to make it. Well, what is the will of God? God said, I would that none should perish. It's not his will that anybody was to drown it was his will that you would build the ark, that you would pitch it within and without, and that you would make it to the specifications that God said. And just like now, God doesn't expect anybody to just bypass the plans that he's given. When he said, except a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he accepted that, okay, a man has been given the plans. Now, what are you going to do with it? That's right, that's right. Powerful, brother. Powerful stuff. Powerful. Uh, let's look at that Acts 2.38. Here, here we have, and everybody says, you know, that knows us in the apostolic faces. Man, that's all they preach. That's all they harp on. And, uh, and I think because we stand on it so strong, they, they really miss the, the, the meaning behind the Scripture. And again, they like to try to teach it away, but here we have grand opening day of the New Testament church. Jesus had been crucified, he had been buried, he had been resurrected, and not only had he been resurrected, but he had ascended into heaven. And at this stage of the game, uh, all the disciples, Jesus' mother, 120 of them, was in an upper room praying, tearing for before the Lord, and this was the very first time that the Holy Spirit had been poured out or it actually literally indwelt a human being like it did in the temple of the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, we'll get into this more later, uh, when the high priest would go in and the Spirit of God would come in that room, only that high priest could be in the presence of it. But now, after... Uh, Christ had ascended into heaven. Now, not, not only are his people moved by an anointing on them with God like the prophets were moved, but the Spirit of God literally entered into these people's body. And at that stage of the game, Peter, who had denied Christ, uh, now um, when they got this Holy Ghost, people began to be confused what had happened. And Peter stands up, and when he began to explain what had just transpired, that this was prophecy of the Spirit of God living inside of people, uh, man, the Holy Ghost just took over, and he began to preach a sermon. And with the boldness, instead of denying Christ, now he's preaching to the same Jews 
that he had denied them to. And when he preached to them, he told them, he said, this Jesus whom you crucified. Yeah. So he's telling the Jews, the same Jesus whom you crucified. So it was the same ones that he denied them to. Now he's preaching to them and says, this same Jesus whom you crucified, did God make both Lord and Christ? Or made both Lord and Messiah? Or both Lord, the ruler, the ultimate supreme in authority, and the Savior of the world? Well, when they heard that, not only was there an anointing on Peter when he preached that, but there was a, an anointing that fell upon those people, and conviction hit them. And in verse 37, I mean, here we are. I mean, this is grand opening day. This is the very first time that, that a sermon was preached after Jesus Christ had went back. He told That's us, right. he said, hey, man, I want y'all to go preach to all the world and baptize them and, and convert everybody. Now, this is the very first sermon. And, you know, man, it's, it's, it's one thing to, hey, hey, we have some of the first sermons, Brother McMorris, when Christ left, but that ain't the case. Right. It is so powerful to know that we have the very first sermon. That's right. They ain't a guest of it because we see how it happened. As soon as they got the Holy Ghost, boom, Peter, Peter started preaching. Let's start at verse 37 and tell us what happened here. Now, when they heard this, speaking of the men that Peter was talking to, the men that he said that they were the same ones that had crucified Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what happened here is the very first time, again, I repeat this, I heard Jason Shield say this years ago, and it stuck with me. It, it just seared into my mind, man. Uh, this is grand opening day, man. This is the very first happening of salvation for the New Testament. This is the very first time it was preached after Christ had left. And this is what Peter said. He said, repent. He didn't say repent and your sins will be forgiven. Right. That's, he didn't that's say right. Believe. He, he didn't say believe right. on Jesus Christ nope. and your sins will be forgiven. He said repent. And then he stopped. He said there's a conjunction to this. And yep. we talked about repentance. If you haven't listened to all the podcasts, y'all go back and listen to it because I don't remember which number it is, but it's in there. We talk about repentance. That's turning away and turning to God. Right. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you. Not part of you, but every one of you. That All means of everybody in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That word remission means forgiveness or That's doing right. away with a party. So see, Brother McMorris, he didn't say repent for the remission of sins That's and be right. baptized. No, 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 no. He said repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So see, in order to get the remission, you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You're saying, well, Brother Dickinson, that, that just don't make no sense. Well, that makes perfect sense. That's you right. Say, you're saying that water baptism is what washes away sin. No, no, no. It's the blood that washes away the sin. There it here's is. what happens. Christ died on the cross to give us the blood, yep. but for us to receive that blood in the spiritual realm, we have to obey in water baptism. So see, when I go down in the name of Jesus, not the titles, we're going to talk about this later, but not the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. See, the, the Father didn't die on the cross, Brother McMorris. That's I, right. I don't know if people don't know that or That's not, right. but we need to look at the book of Romans. It said that, that Jesus, and many of you that have been baptized into him, not them, yep. have been baptized, have been buried with him. So see, what happens is now we're working on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and right now we're on the burying. That's it didn't it. say we was buried with the Father. It didn't say buried with the Holy Spirit. No, we was buried with Jesus. So when you talk about going down in the name of Jesus, it's the blood of Jesus. It ain't the blood of the Father. It's not the blood of the Holy Spirit. It's the blood of Jesus That's it. that saves us. What can wash away my sins? Nothing, Nothing but, but the, the blood, blood of, Jesus. of Jesus. What can make me whole again? That's Nothing right. but Amen. the blood of Jesus. So, when I'm baptized 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, for the pardon, or as Peter said here, for the remission of sins. That is when the blood is applied. I got the scripture for Amen. you. Amen. Come on with it. It's in Romans 6, starting in verse 1. said, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Mm. Powerful, powerful. In Jesus. Got That's that Galatians, you got that you got that Galatians three uh twenty six, I think it is. I got it. What does it say there? Galatians three and twenty six. That's where it's at. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ. There, there, there you go. Oh, hang, hang on a minute. Now, stop right there. And for as many of you that were baptized into who? Christ. No, you're reading that wrong. And many of you that was baptized into the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? That ain't, that ain't what it says. No, now read it again. You got to be, what translation are you reading out of? I'm in the King James Version. Well, and how is that word there? King James Version says, into Christ. Say it again. Say, read that one more time. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ. Have did what? Have put on Christ. So if we're going to put on Jesus, we need to be baptized with Jesus. That's think, right. If I'm baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, nowhere in Scripture do you see them actually obeying that Scripture that Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 by doing it. Now, we're going to get on this name later. I'm kind of getting away from my topic because we're talking about essentiality today. Is water baptism needed for salvation? But here's what happens. If we're baptized into Jesus, then we've put on Jesus, then we've been buried with Jesus. It didn't say that we've been baptized with them. We've been baptized with the Father. We've been baptized with the Son. We've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. We've put on the Holy Spirit. We've put on Jesus. we put on the Father. I didn't say that. It said, as many of you that have been baptized into Jesus has put on who? Christ. Also, as many of you that have been baptized into the Trinity have put on the Trinity. There is, there is no. I want some Jesus on me. I want some Jesus on me. That's right. I don't, I, I don't want something that ain't scripture now. I I'm am the door. It. I'm just keeping it. Huh? I I'm am the door. door. I'm the way. He didn't say we're the door. No. Nope. We're the way. You got to go in Amen. by me. So the only way you can get into Christ is to be baptized into Christ. That's it. That's it. So see, and, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. This is going to be another topic, and we're going to cover this. See, people say, well, there's no way to the Father except through the Son. And they look at that as that mediator is a one person carrying it to another person. And see, that's not what's being conveyed there. What's nope. being conveyed, unless you go through the slain body of the man Christ, that's unless it. you go through that sacrificial lamb, which was the body, through the door, you can't enter the Spirit. That's you can't it. reach the Father without going through the blood. That's and the it. Bible says that in many of you that have put on, have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, you can't put Christ on if you ain't been baptized into That's Christ. That's it. You can't get in the That's door right. without putting on the door. <laughs> you got to put him on. You got to put him on. Come on, bro. Put him on. Let's look at some scriptures here. So, I don't know. I don't, uh, Cool? Yeah. A lot of background noise. Uh, all right, so let's look at First John one and nine. I want to look at some conflicting scriptures that, and I don't have time to go through it all, but I do want to. Let me stop right there a minute. Don't go to Don't go to First John one and nine. We're gonna cover that, but let me give you this here real quick. So we talked about. Uh, what happens at water baptism in the name of Jesus? We talked about how that is when the blood's applied. And we talked about Noah. You give a great analogy there about how he had grace, but he had to apply that grace by obedience. And I want to look at, we don't have time to read it. Y'all can uh, go back and look at it later. Uh, uh, Lazarus, 
I think it's John 11 and 39, we see that uh, Lazarus was dead. He'd been dead. Uh, that was another Messianic miracle. Uh, if y'all don't have my book, uh, Water Baptism for the New Covenant, why God chose Water Baptism New Covenant, get that. I talk about the Messianic miracles there. But Lazarus, uh, I'll elaborate on this a little bit. This is very, very powerful here. Uh, we've seen the dead being raised through the Old Testament. Uh, uh, Elijah's body uh, was thrown on some dead bones, and then, uh, I mean, he was raised. We, we see Jesus touching the casket, the dead being rose from the dead. Uh, we just see different things throughout Old Testament and New Testament that the Jews knew that the dead could be raised. What was so fascinating about this particular deal with Lazarus was uh, the... The Jews believe that the bodies uh, and the spirit, the spirit actually uh, levitated or hovered around the body for approximately three days. Decomposition did not begin until the third day. And if you look at scriptures where the psalmist, uh, the Thomas, the psalmist makes the statement, and then Peter quotes it over in Acts two. It talks about how my holy ones will not see corruption. That corruption is talking about the decomposition that sets in the body. So when Christ was in the grave, he only spent three days and three nights. Well, why? Because the Bible said the Old Testament prophets prophesied that his body would not see corruption or That's it would right. not see decomposition. So the, the Jews believed that decomposition didn't literally set in until the third day. So now let's go back to Lazarus. When Lazarus died, they came to Jesus, and he didn't get in no hurry. He nope. just kind of lollygagged around a little bit. When he showed up on the scenes, you, you see the franticness in everybody. Oh, Lord, he, he's dead. He's dead. And Jesus says, yeah, I, I'm here. And they're like, well, Lord, we know you can raise him in the last time. So it was like there was no hope because not only is he dead, Brother Ben Morris, but he is rotten. I mean, I don't mean just stinking. I mean, it, That's he right. says that he stink, he's stinking. And that means, listen, this is like beyond any it's not going to happen, man. I mean, it's rotten. And it's one thing if you go to the hospital uh, and or like you, you know, you got shot in the head, you're dead as a doornail, and uh, then you you come alive. Okay, that is a miracle, and that's powerful. But if you'd been laid up in the morgue for a week and you done turn black and your body was falling apart and then you come to life, that'd be like even, wow, man. And so when Christ came on the scene, and the fourth day, he said, you're too late. They knew that decomposition had set in. But here's what happened. This is this is where this ties back in. That was a Messianic miracle. So yep. Christ came to raise Lazarus. He waited four days. That was the whole purpose in that. People was like, well, man, he was four days late. No, he was just on time, man. He was showing them who he was. That's Only right. Only God himself could resurrect the dead after decomposition. That's, that's exactly and so right. so when he goes to the... He goes to the tomb. The Bible says Jesus wept. And he didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. Now, a lot of people have that misconception, too, because he wept because of the lack of belief, because of the lack that's of right. faith. That's what, that's what moved him. You hear me? That's he right. knew what he was fixing to do, but here's what happened. Now, let me show you this, Brother McMorris. It takes obedience to prove the faith. And since he's seen that they didn't believe he was fixing to raise the dead, he tells them, he says, move that stone. And I believe that this is Brian, Brother Brian Dickinson 101. I believe he began to cry because he says, I've got to have them move that stone before I can raise them. And if they don't have faith, they're not going to obey me. That's Why it. move the stone when you can't do it? So he's crying because he's thinking, man, I, I, they, they got to obey. That's it. But what they did is he said, move the stone. They rolled the stone back and they had a live Lazarus when he did. Now check this out. If they had not have obeyed, they never would have got live Lazarus. That's Why? right. It's because the the disobedience would have proved there was no faith, like you said about jumping off the house. That's right. We see the same thing in John 2 with he turned the water to wine. And and, and, there, and there's another, there's a lot of stuff there I could preach on that oh, yeah. particular text. But what we have here is 
these wash pots now check this out I, i'm gonna go ahead and share you tidbits with this here these wash pots if you'll study these wash pots these these weren't the water and drinking vessels okay when when they went to the wedding of canaan and they run out of wine and jesus mama comes to him and said we're out of wine he said woman what you want me to do my time ain't come yet she looked at the service and she said do exactly what he says do he says take those pots and fill them with water now check this out let me throw this tidbit this wasn't drinking uh vessels this was vessels used to clean unclean uh, uh tools okay so when you bought uh, utensils to eat your food with to make it kosher you had to wash them they had to go through a cleansing process and I talked about this a little bit early on in one of my lessons about an immersion it was an amygba for utensils rather than a person so they went and got a amygba so to speak for, for utensils they didn't go get drinking water pots brother McMorris so he didn't just turn water into wine out of drinking jugs he turned water into wine out of uh vessels used to make stuff clean that's right follow me that's right okay so when he looked at him he said go get some water jesus didn't need water to make wine man you need to need some water to go with our crushed up grapes yep. whatever we're gonna do he didn't need it but what he did need is he needed an act of obedience, obedience. if they never had obeyed yep. they never would have got wine if yeah. they never obeyed they never would have got a live Lazarus if we do not obey baptism in Jesus name we don't get remission for sins that's right Jesus said he that believes in his baptized shall be saved Jesus said unless a man be born of the water he cannot enter to the kingdom of God look at here come on with it look at here going back to Lazarus when Jesus said, we're in John 11 and 39, when Jesus said, take ye away the stone, it was Martha, the sister of him, that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he been dead four days. And Jesus, listen to this, verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. He didn't, say, he didn't say the glory of me. He didn't say the glory of the Son. He said the glory of God. And what he was saying, just like going back to John chapter 3, except a man is born again, he can't even see it. And so with, without the obedience, you got to, obedience has to prove the faith. Obedience is going to prove it. And without it, if you won't believe you will not see the glory of God. He said, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. And verse 41, then they took away the stone. And he knew, he knew if you would just believe, you'll see the glory of God. And in order for her to believe, if this is the thing, if God was being in the form of flesh was powerful enough to reverse the decomposition of Lazarus, and bring him back from the dead, well, he should be powerful enough to move the stone away. Nope. You got to do your part so that he can do his part. Man, that's powerful. The, sa right. the same... Look at this. It was the same creative voice. The same creative voice that said, let there be light. It was that same creative voice that said, Lazarus, come forth. That same voice, that same voice, that, same voice that, that when darkness was on the face of the deep and the angels were sit, sit, standing in attendance, crying, holy, 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 they were just being obedient, just being obedient. And that same creative voice said, let there be, it was that same creative voice that said, Lazarus, come forth and the decomposition had to reverse and the fluids Amen. that had burst had to get back into his body and the skin that had melted off had to form itself back together because he was going to do what they couldn't do 
but he wasn't going to do their part. You got to do your That's part right. in order for God to do his part. That's right. That's right. We want God to do for us, but we don't want to do for God. And God says, listen, you don't do anything to work for your salvation. That's it. That's a misconstrued ideal, man. People think, well, you teach him works. No, 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 no. No. God's saying, I want you to obey me to prove your faith. That's it. You know, we talked about this that in 11, Hebrews 11. Uh, the uh, It said that, that faith is the substance of things hope for the evidence of things not seen and when you go through that entire chapter go through that hebrew sometime and look what it says it says that faith i mean you look at everything whether it was noah was moved by faith abraham obeyed by faith abel as abel just as abel and uh, i mean it just goes on and on and on that's Every right one of them it showed that their obedience was the faith. It was more than just a head knowledge. It wasn't just an acknowledgement. It was they done something. I That's mean, exactly it's real, right. I mean, it's real clear that you cannot have a live uh, faith with, with just not obeying. It's, it's more than just saying, I believe God and I love God. Yep, I, mean, I, got, the, I got the scripture for you. You're uh-huh. in James in chapter 2. And he's talking Come on about with that now. The yep, devils believe. Come on. Yep, yep. You're in James two nineteen. Thou believest there's one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But, but he said, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac up, his son, upon the altar? Seeth thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Why? Why? Because of his works that he did, they proved the faith. Ye see then that by works, a man is justified, and not by faith only. Man. The works, the works are the justification of the faith. It's like if you were in a court case and you presented the idea to the jury and you said, well, I have faith. They're going to say, well, prove it. The works are the proving of the faith. They're the justification right. of the faith. And you know, we... Uh Pastor Copeland and I have talked about this on previous deal. We talked about Martin Luther and how um, he he got a big deal with uh, when he when he was excommunicated. He, he stood on that the just should live by faith and um, not by sight. And um, well, he he took the faith into the realm that basically all you have to do is believe. And Martin Luther was so combated with the faith, which faith is something we need. It's, it's powerful. It's something that we, we got to have. Because, see, the Catholic Church taught water baptism was needed. And where they got off with, with indulgence and penance and stuff of that nature, and we've talked a little bit about that in the past, but Martin Luther was so combated with it that he, he didn't even think that James should have been in in the Bible. He felt like that that should have been... Uh, not even in there that it shouldn't have been part of the canon and here's the crazy thing about it james was the brother of jesus christ yeah and when when you read the gospels you'll see that james early on james didn't believe that jesus was the messiah right so here we got a not only a blood relative a half brother of jesus christ but he was a convert himself. He was in doubt. He didn't believe. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was pretty much raised with him. That's you right. Know, they had a close relationship of some kind because they were brothers, whether though they were half-brothers or not. And we say half-brothers because Jesus didn't have an earthly biological father. But So, you know, they was raised by the same parents. But if anybody knew how that faith and that works, it had to be his his blood relative and uh martin luther i want to kind of talk about that because we deal with some conflicting scriptures and let's go to romans 10 9 and 10 because here we are we're talking about water baptism 
we're talking about. Is it needed? Is it not needed? Uh, we've talked about it being a public confession and how that we've seen all the early disciples when they were baptized, they never ever said, wait until you got somewhere to do a public confession. That statement's never there. You never find a sinner's prayer. You never find anybody in the Bible anywhere when they convert somebody and say, repeat this prayer out of me, after me. I don't think there's anything wrong a person that's never prayed before trying to lead them into repentance and talk to them about how to talk to God. But I can't tell you how to tell the lady at Walmart that you want something. You've got to go talk to her yourself. And you never find anybody coaching somebody into a prayer for salvation that's not there. But you find it repeatedly that it's taught water baptism is essential, that it is part of that salvation. Let's go to that Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt, we're in Romans 10 and 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what we have here, this is a very, very popular uh, scripture that's utilized for salvation throughout mainstream Christianity. So I, I want to elaborate on this in multiple ways because this is a conflicting text uh, that, that people use to say you don't have to be baptized. One thing, let's look at this. The, the very first thing that we have to look at is where did this come from? This came from the book of Romans. Romans was a letter written to a church at Rome. So the apostle Paul, who who already had his road on Damascus experience in, in, in Acts 22 and 16, Ananias told Paul at his conversion, arise and be baptized, yep. washing away their sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Paul had done been baptized in Jesus' name to, to have his sins remitted, you see. So now Paul's writing back to a church at Rome after he's done established churches, he's done been saved, he knows the plan of salvation. So first of all, Paul was not writing a letter to a church to tell them what it takes to be saved. That's not what he's doing. So that's the number one problem we have. People look at the book of Romans and they take a scripture and says, well, here's the plan of salvation. No, 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 no. Paul's not teaching a plan of salvation. He's talking to a church that already knows about salvation. Well, what's he saying there, Brother Dickinson? If you look at the very first verse of chapter 10 and start reading this chapter in the chronological order that it was written in, you'll find out that Paul says, hey, this was a Gentile church at Rome. He says, my desire and yep. my first priority is that the house of Israel could be saved. So the, the Gentiles felt like since the Jews had turned their back on Christ and they had crucified Christ, and now that they as Gentiles have been grafted in to accept him as the Messiah, they uh, felt like the Jews couldn't be saved. So really it was a little bit of racism going on there, to be honest with you. Jews, the Gentiles were saying that the Jews can't have this salvation. So Paul began to elaborate, yes, they can. They denied the righteousness of God when they denied Jesus Christ. And they're ignorant of that because they think Following, read read the whole. You know, we can't do it right now on podcast, but for our listeners, go back and read chapter ten. And, and I'm telling you the story here. Paul tells them, says, "Listen, man, they they're, they're basically serving God on the old covenant still. That's right. Thinking that's their righteousness, but that's not. Christ brought the new righteousness in. That was the fulfillment of righteousness. And after he ministers on, if they'll believe and they'll confess." then they can have salvation, he says, because he's the same God unto the Jew and to the Greek. That's right. So to, to, to discuss this Romans 10, 9, and 10, if a person tries to use that as a plan of salvation, one, they're out of compliance because this letter goes to a church, not to a sinner. And if you're using a letter written to a church to try to save somebody, you're, 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 you're giving false mail to somebody. Take yeah. them back to Acts it's the plan of salvation. Take them back to where it began at well, and use everything else to build on it. Go ahead. Well, and we do got time for the rest of it. The rest of it, just like you said, he said there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. 
So there's no difference between those that were under the law and those that were never under the law. But in verse 11, he said, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. But believeth what? That, that's the question. Believeth what? Calling on the name of what? Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, what's his name? Jesus. Verse 14, How, shall, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach what? The gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. That's it okay. right there. That's it right there. He said okay. if you call on him, you're going to believe on him. If you call on Jesus, you're doing it because you believe. And if you believe, you're going to obey the gospel. But he said, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? That's it. And we talk about that old, that gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's what we've been discussing. That's it. And if you go back to the previous studies, we, we talked about the, the death is repentance. The burial with Jesus Christ is a uh, water baptism in Jesus' name. That's, that's good stuff, brother. McMorris. Yeah, that's, that's good. good stuff. Let's uh, let's look at two more scriptures. All maybe right, three. How yeah, we're we've been on here. Oh, we're closing in, brother. We got a four-minute warning. <laughs> All right, man. All right, so let me let me give these two real fast. I want you to go to First John one and nine. While you're looking that up, I want to expound upon Ephesians two eight and nine. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 um, says that we're saved by faith and not of works, lest any man boast. That's right. And uh, saved of grace, you know, through faith. Uh, and, and a lot of people use that, and they talk about the works. And we've talked about that pretty much in detail in times past. But to reiterate on that, is water baptism essential? Well, here it says that water baptism is work. So you or people say it's work. So evidently, you you can't be baptized to be to be part of salvation. Paul's not talking about works in the light of doing stuff like in obedience. He's talking about things that you think you can do to meritoriously earn your salvation. So you can't go out here and do. Uh, a work of kindness for somebody or give money to the church or something of that. That's where indulgence came in with the Catholic Church. And uh, the Jews had what they call Sadakak. And we've talked about that in the past and how Sadakak brought righteousness under the Jewish customs of giving so much. They still do Sadakak today. It's still honored today. And we're coming up on Jan Kemper uh, Monday. Sunday and Monday, but Yon Kemper, they, they talk about doing their Sadakok and uh, how that is, doing meritorious deeds. And that's what Paul was elaborating there in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It wasn't obedience. It wasn't works of obedience. When he says works, he's relating to the Sadakok. But yeah. on 1 John 1 and 9 is also another conflict in Scripture. Some people like to hold that. And so let's let's read that real quick. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So a lot of people say, well, there you go, Brother Dickinson. He said, if you'll just confess them, he'll forgive us and cleanse us. And here's the, here's the, here's the problem with that. As true as that is, that's for somebody that has already entered the plan of salvation. If you've repented, you've been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, and you're walking a walk, you've got filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're living for God, and you mess up, then you confess those sins, and we have an advocate with the Father that cleanses from all unrighteousness. John isn't giving this text to say this is where you get your beginning of salvation. That's not what was being conveyed here. This, again, was an instruction to us. You know, with Brother Dickinson, every time I sin, do I have to go back and get rebaptized since that's where it's at? No. Once I've made that initial repentance and turned to Christ and began to live for him and was baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, now all I have to do is continue to go back and confess those sins God, forgive me. I lied the other day. I need you to cleanse me. Help me not to do that again. Repent from that action. Confess it to him, and he washes it away, and it's there no more. Uh, That's it. Another one real 
another one real fast is First Corinthians. You don't have to read it. First Corinthians, uh, one where we talk about, uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll hold that off. I want to talk about, uh, Paul not being sent to baptize and I want to talk about being baptized for the dead. So I'll pick on, I'll pick up on that at our next time, Brother McMorris. I think that'll be a good deal to shift gears, but going into part eight guys next go around we'll be talking about the name but uh i think that's going to be it for today brother i don't oh that's good that's good i want to throw in there too that in that same one you just went into john in first john one back in seven it said but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of jesus christ that cleanseth us from all sin. So there it is again. That's how we get that blood applied. But we're looking forward to jumping back in. Hey guys, we want you to, we're going to put the address on here. We want you to write to us, send us your prayer request, send us a letter. We're excited to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in with us. Let somebody know about the app. Share it with them. Let somebody know about the podcast. Join in with them. Put them, put them earbuds. Make you a paper funnel. Let everybody in the rack hear it. Let let everybody get a little listen. Tell them shut the card game down for about 45 minutes. Jump on over here and get them something good. Amen, Brother Dickinson. Amen, 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 brother. Would you close us out in prayer? Yes, sir. God, we love you, Jesus. Hey, man. Hey, for you, for you, prayer. We want to give a shout out to Pastor Copeland, Brother Donnie Copeland. He tunes into this. We love you, Brother Copeland, and we're giving a shout out to you. That's right. Go we're ahead, thankful brother. for Brother Copeland and Sister Robin, all their help that they're doing over there for NLJ. We sure appreciate them. We appreciate all you listeners. Keep tuning in. We're going to have more for you. God, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for the word that you've given us, Lord. We ask that you take the seed and let it fall on good soil, God, that you would water it, Lord, and fertilize it and bring it up. Let it take root, God, in someone's heart. And we're careful to give you all power, honor, and glory, God, in Jesus' name. All right, Brother Dickinson, we appreciate your time. We appreciate having you. Everybody, we've uh, we've been uploading some more sermons, so be on the lookout. They've got a few on there, and we're going to keep putting some more. And y'all keep tuning in, and we're looking forward to catching you next time. And don't ever forget, can't nobody do you like Jesus. Can't nobody do you like Jesus. You've been listening to the Nobody Like Jesus podcast. A ministry of Nobody Like Jesus Ministries. Write us at Nobody Like Jesus, 4314 Landers Road, North Little Rock, Arkansas. 72117.